Welcome to the water cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Glad you're with us. It's Tuesday, December 15, 2020. Uh, we begin with these words. President-elect Joe Biden. Those controversial, yes, controversial words said today by that man, Republican Senator, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. That's a big deal any way you slice it. I mean, we have to be honest here. The train had already left the station on Biden being president. But these words today just gave the whole thing like 180 mile per hour express track. And also, let's be honest, cover for other Republicans to say those words. Meanwhile, Attorney General Bill Barr going bye-bye, but not before a gushing letter fawning over President Trump and his accomplishments. We're going to look into that further with the Attorney General of Texas. And we're going to explore who God wanted to win this election, Biden or Trump? How about Jesus? Wasn't on the ballot. Eric Metaxas is going to join us to discuss God's will in this very controversial presidential election. Uh, but first, the big news of the day, Mitch McConnell calling Joe Biden president-elect. It comes the day after the Electoral College certified his victory. Six weeks ago, the Americans, Americans voted in this year's general election. The legal and constitutional processes have continued to play out since then. Yesterday, electors met in all 50 states. So as of this morning, our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. But our system of government has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The President-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service for many years. I also want to congratulate the Vice President-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female Vice President-elect for the very first time. You know, we should uh, put out there that technically, per the U.S. Constitution, a president cannot be elected without Congress doing the ratifying, and that's going to come January 6, 2021. Now, while there are calls for the president and his supporters to give it up, call it a day, there are still a few avenues left. And how about what's happened in Michigan? Did you see this? The GOP Trump electors, they showed up at the state capitol yesterday to perform their constitutional duty. They were just going to physically deliver their votes for submission but they were not let into the building. The governor wouldn't let them in. More on that in a moment. I want to show you the video. It's remarkable. Check it out. All, all 16 electors that we've been advised by the governor's staff that we're going to be here to vote in the electoral college. We've been checked in there already. But the GOP but electors, are, these are the I'm rest sorry. Of this is I'm the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, Ian's here. The cap, the cap Captain, Everybody sir, sir come forward. Captain. Uh, the electors are also, the, the GOP electors are also on the governor's right. certificate of ascertainment. Right, I'm not going to get into a political debate. I'm following so orders. A political debate. Okay. It's the official sealed document. Okay. The certificate of ascertainment has also the GOP electors. They are here. They're okay. trying to do their constitutional duty. I understand. And their constitutional duty requires them to be at the Senate chamber okay. today at 2 p.m. Okay. They're here. All right, and they're not, I, I understand they're not being permitted in. If you have a problem, you can contact the governor's office, the Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader, or... I saw the governor's press release this morning that said due to COVID. Is that the reason being given? No. 
All right, that was what the press release said. Is there another reason okay. why? You'd have, to ask, you'd have to ask the governor's office to answer right. that question. I don't have We have a copy of paperwork that was prepared as electors under their constitutional duty. Mm -hmm. uh, can I speak to the sergeant of arms of the Senate to deliver so, it to the chamber today? He's he's in a meeting right now at the Electoral College. He's not available to meet. Uh, Captain Green, is it Captain? Uh, First Lieutenant Green. First Lieutenant, yep. can you deliver this? I cannot. Okay. Um, is there anyone here that's willing to allow us, as I've got elected officials and electors, okay. to deliver this to the Senate today at 2 p.m.? Okay, um, I, I can ask the, the Senate Majority Leader, the House Majority Leader, and- Senator Mike Shirky, would okay. you deliver that to him? I, Tell him Ian Northam. You, you can contact his office directly and make arrangements to drop that off to him, sir. I'm not well, they're not, you're not letting us in the building. His office he, is inside. He's not here. What's that? He, Senator, he's not here. So are you telling me that the Senate uh, chamber is in session and the Senate leader is not here? Yeah. So you'd have to contact his office to make arrangements to meet with him to turn over. Right. Somebody from the governor's uh, team that's uh, that's running this. You'd have to contact to... the governor's office with their team to make arrangements for them. To, to All right. Again, the electors by statute at statute MCL 168.47 have to be at the Senate chamber today okay. at 2 p.m. They're trying. I'm telling you that, that they're not going to be allowed to enter the Capitol, sir. All right. That's pathetic. That's America today, folks. All right, anyhow, let's get more on all this with attorney uh, Ian Northen. He was the, actually the man in the video making the case to the officers uh, to let the electors in, and he's working on behalf of the Amistad Project. Uh, Ian, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's an important time in the country. For sure. So, so I mean, what in the world? I mean, what's your understanding as to why the governor wouldn't let you in the building? Well, uh, according to a press release that she had issued that morning, she said because of COVID. But it's strange because the governor, as the chief executive, uh, you know, is not in charge of the, the people's house. That's the legislature. That's the state capitol that uh, is run by the Senate and, and the House. I actually had a group of House uh, representatives with me trying to get into their building to do their constitutional work. And they were escorting electors who had been picked long before there was ever a dispute, uh, you know, in Michigan. Uh, the Democrat electors, the Republican electors, even the Green Party and Libertarian candidates, anybody on the ticket, those electors are selected long in advance, and they wanted to turn in their, their alternate slate or their backup slate uh, uh, pursuant to statute uh, so that if uh, the Senate and House's investigation uh, continues as we expect it will and shows the widespread uh, failure to follow statutes like we expect it will, uh, then that gives Michigan an opportunity to not lose out on its electors and still slate uh, a valid uh, a valid pick of 16 to go to Washington, D.C. Well, I want to get to that in a moment, but just so I can be clear here, uh, in essence, the Biden electors were essential in COVID and the Trump electors were deemed non-essential in essence. That's exactly right. So the, uh, the executive took over the Senate chamber. Uh, she had her ceremony. Uh, it was being live streamed. Uh, and uh, and the Democrats were allowed in the building and the Republicans were not. Wow. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Michigan state legislature uh, here for a moment. What can they do specifically? Because uh, there has been even even I can see it here, the Senate majority leader, uh, Mike Schinke and, and the House speaker as well, both Republicans saying we're not going to do it. We're, we're, we're not going to send up a dual slate of electors. What's your message to the Michigan state legislature? Well, you know, it, this hadn't happened before in Michigan, so I can see why they might be confused or, or, or not have a sense of, of confidence. But it's happened as recently as 1960, where Hawaii sent three different slates of electors to Washington, D.C., for Kennedy, for Nixon, and then a second slate for Kennedy. And somewhat ironically, Nixon, uh, who was the vice president at the time, so in charge of the Senate, uh, opened up uh, the three different ballots and had to choose on January 6th which ones to, to, to select. And because it was the legislative intent, the state legislature's intent 
to uh, to pick Kennedy, he picked uh, the slate for his opponent. And he did the honorable thing in 1960. And this has happened, uh, you know, 100 years before that and uh, several times. So so while rare in Michigan and hopefully rare, uh, you know, that we don't have these allegations of not following your own statutes uh, like we have in Michigan and Wisconsin and other places, uh, it is it is a constitutional process. It's by both federal constitution and and federal statute. So, again, this was people in good faith trying to do the right thing. And I would expect that maybe uh, Senate leader Shirky and, and, and House leader Chatfield would uh, once they review the evidence and review uh, the investigation that's ongoing, might come to their senses and then thank those electors for doing their duty, because otherwise Michigan would have lost out on their on their votes. I think their view, obviously, would be that, look, they don't they might you say they have a constitutional duty to to. They have within their constitutional duties to do that, but at the same time, they may not want to what they'll call disenfranchise all these voters. Well, that's that's certainly that's certainly a concern, but I think it's a bit of a misnomer. You know, every elected official in Michigan, including the election officers that were running the election, have a duty to ensure accuracy and integrity. Now, that means count every lawful vote and not any law unlawful votes. That's what Texas accused Michigan of, of, of counting unlawful votes. That disenfranchises lawful voters and waters down good votes. That's the heart of the Bush versus Gore opinion, which which talked about disparate impacts and, and disparate effects. Um, uh, uh, when when you when you water down unlawful votes, and so one statutory irregularity after another, whether or not requiring signatures to get a ballot or not requiring a signature to turn one in, those are pretty serious accusations. And so, while people think that the general election in Michigan was won uh, for Joe Biden, you know, even right now they're having hearings about Dominion software machines that right. were miscounting, and the error rates were so high. I can't be confident as a as an observer or as an attorney representing clients uh, that it was, in fact, accurate. So yeah. I think at the end of this, if if the results of the investigation show that Joe Biden won, let the chips fall where they may, then you pull back that second slate of electors and Joe Biden does, in fact, take Michigan's uh, votes. If, on the other hand, uh, the results say something different, then it's going to be incumbent upon the state legislature under the U.S. Constitution and their plenary powers to pick the proper slate of electors. You mentioned the Dominion voting software. I want to read you what the president uh, tweeted about. Uh, he's referring to what's happening in Michigan. He said, uh, tremendous problems being found with voting machines. They're so far off, it's ridiculous, able uh, to take a landslide victory and reduce it to a tight loss, and he goes on. Uh, he's clearly referring to what happened in Antrim County uh, and, and possibly all over the state of Michigan. Uh, the CEO of Dominion testifying, as you mentioned today, what, what's your message to Dominion and the CEO there? Yeah, so so my he's actually testifying now. I believe the right. the Senate was out. The Senate was out yesterday, uh, but uh, apparently they're back in session today. So COVID must have blown over. But in any event, uh, he's there now testifying. And uh, as a practical matter, these air rates are are eight thousand times higher than what's permitted under federal and state law in Michigan. So to me, that's that's shocking. Uh, and and if these air rates are supposed to be point zero 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 two. And now they're they're in the one to two percent range. If you get two percent of the vote wrong in Michigan, yeah, uh, that that that's going to be outcome determinative. So uh, mm -hmm. these voting machines were used in rural counties like Antrim County, but right. also places like Macomb, Kent, Wayne, uh, throughout the state. So not every not every county had these bad machines, but but too yeah. many had these bad machines to ensure accuracy and integrity. Ian Northam, great to have you here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, when we come back, the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, back in a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. 
Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Bill Barr. Uh, Merry Christmas, Bill Barr. You're leaving the Trump White House. Uh, well, I don't have to tell him that. He told the president uh, right to his face and uh, submitted his resignation letter. Uh, you, you wonder what all of it obviously is about. Uh, but this attorney general uh, obviously has had uh, a, a really stellar record as it relates to the Trump White House. But, of course, in the last uh, month or so, we heard about uh, that he knew something more along the lines of the Hunter Biden investigations. And he also knew about uh, or he said there was no election fraud or at least to this date. He didn't know anything about widespread election fraud. So uh, here's some of his uh, resignation letter. We want to read this to you. It was a gushing letter uh, about the president. He said, your record is all the more historic because you accomplished it in the face of relentless and uh, implacable resistance. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, let me just read some of this to you. He says, no tactic, no matter how abusive and deceitful, was out of bounds. And then he goes on to say, uh, finally here, uh, the, the nadir, uh, nadir of this campaign was the effort to cripple, if not oust your administration with frenzied and baseless accusations of collusion with Russia. A lot of folks calling that letter uh, gushing, fawning and a lot of other words. But uh, let's get more of the reaction on that and lots of other things as it relates to election fraud with the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, back on the water cooler. Uh, Ken, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, glad to do it. Uh, you know, Attorney General Barr, what do you make of his resignation? You know, I'm kind of surprised he had, you know, a month ago, a little less than a month ago, but, you know, maybe he's he's got something he wants to focus on. He said his family and maybe he's got some other opportunity we don't know yet about, but I will say this, from my standpoint, he's been nothing but great to work with. He, we always felt like we had an open door with him and he would listen to, to, to our issues. And we had a lot of opportunity to work together on, on I think, some pretty important issues. Ken, the timing uh, does seem a little interesting. You would think you would hold on for another month. I know he took a lot of criticism when he said uh, that he did not, at least to date, see any widespread election voter fraud conservatives really uh, roasted him for that. Uh, the, the president wasn't happy either, but this letter was very, very nice. So what, what do you make of how much that might have played a part? You know, it may have. It's, it's so hard to say because he's not saying and he's the only one that really knows why he's left. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many people he shared that with, maybe his family, but it's, uh, it's not clear to me that that's the reason. It well could have been, but I do think that overall, if you look at his relationship with the president, his relationship with the Department of Justice, I think you can say he was he was a very successful attorney general. It's a very difficult, challenging job, and, and people don't tend to stay there you know, a real long time. That's just the history of the job. It, it just has a lot of issues, and it's hard to keep people there for a long time. What do you think his legacy uh, will end up being? Uh, you say he, he did a really great job. What, what do you think some of what people will remember him for? Well, I think he's one of the most you know honest, and, and he's one of those guys that when you go and talk to him, you know he's listening. So you know, he's been very focused on this antitrust uh, issues with the uh, Google and, and other technology companies. I think that's going to be part of his legacy. He, he's been focused on human trafficking with us. Um, and just in general, 
he's just been really responsive to, to all kinds of different issues that, that we've been dealing with him on. Ken, I want to get to some of the headlines of the day and down to Texas. Uh, th this is one of the headlines uh, that is that a lot of folks are talking about. The Texas election uh, electors, excuse me, cast ballots for Trump, and they ask fellow state legislators to take similar action. Uh, I want to get your read on that because it seems like this is where the battle is. I mean, look, the Electoral College has been certified. Everybody's calling President or excuse me, Joe Biden president elect. But there's this time, we had Jenna Ellis on the program yesterday, there's this time between now and January 6th where technically if state legislatures step up, they could de either decertify the results or more probably, to help me out on this, but basically send a another slate of electors up to Congress on January 6th. What's your take? Well, who knows what they'll do, but every state is responsible for their own electors. And that's been true since the founding of our country. It used to be that the, the, some of the legislatures actually sent their own delegation they didn't even rely on the popular vote. That's obviously something that's changed over, over time, but they still have that within their power to do. And um, who knows what, what's gonna happen. This has been such an unusual election cycle with the, the massive amount of mail-in ballots. And then you know the problem that we have verifying whether any of these people legitimately voted um, because there was no signature verification in some cases has created all kinds of elections that I'm, I'm struggling with you know, even right now. Struggling in what sense, Ken? Well, I don't know, like in Pennsylvania, as an example, there's there were 233,000 ballots, mail-in ballots cast four years ago. That went up over tenfold to 2.5 million. And many of those ballots, every every county there made their own decisions about how they were going to deal with these. And the idea, first of all, that mail-in ballots are as reliable as voting in person, it's just not true. You vote with a photo ID, we have a much better chance of verifying that's really who is voting. So we're already in this area that's that's less reliable with mail-in ballots. And then in many of these ballot testing, they didn't verify the signature that was on file. So when you ask for a mail-in ballot, you're supposed to send your signature in. They're supposed to keep that on file so that when you vote with your ballot, you sign your, you know, the envelope of the ballot outside the ballot, they're supposed to verify the signature. So if they don't verify the signatures, then we literally, once they separate the ballot from the, from the, the envelope, which they do, so they can't identify who voted for who, we don't know, we'll never know. We'll never be able to go back and know whether those were legitimate votes. And that's a real problem for credibility of our election. I want to put up uh, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. We have had it here on the water cooler before. Uh, and, and here's what it says. It says, each state shall appoint in such manner as the, and here are the key words, as the legislature thereof may direct, and I can go on, a number of electors equal to the whole, the, the point is, is that the state legislature has the power to do it. So what is your message uh, to state legislatures across the country on this, Ken? Look, this is one of the things we were trying to do in our lawsuit is, is, is get the Supreme Court to order the legislature to deal with it themselves. Whether they decide to send electors for Biden or whether they decide to send electors for Trump, at least it would be a more representative body making that decision. And you know, they are responsible to the voters for, for making that decision. They're, they're, they are also mm -hmm. under the purview of the Constitution to make that decision. So I would encourage them to look at it and look at, you know, the validity of their own elections and, and try to determine who they think really want. 20 seconds or so. Justice not served here in this election. What's your take on whether or not this has been a free and fair election? You know what? I have real problems with it because we don't know in many cases in especially these states that took longer to count their ballots. We will never know whether these were legitimate ballots. And I think that, you know, puts a cloud on our whole election and is always going to make people wonder, 
did Joe Biden really win? And that's unfortunate for Joe Biden. It's unfortunate for the whole country. Yeah, bad taste in the mouth uh, for tens of millions of Americans. Ken Paxson, always great to see you, sir. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. All right. Well, we're back in a moment with a whole lot more show. Madison, what do we have coming up? I'm trying to even remember what's coming up. But anyhow, I'll figure it out. Uh, anyhow, we're back in a moment. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, let me just make this very clear. Uh, Mitch McConnell may refer to Joe Biden as president-elect, but uh, newsflash to uh, Mitch in Kentucky, uh, tens of millions of Americans are not going to be referring to Joe Biden as president-elect. Our next guest, my guess, my hunch, is going to be one of them, uh, Eric Metaxas, uh, with the Eric Metaxas uh, radio show uh, all, all across the country, joining us now on the water cooler. Eric, always great to see you, sir. Always great to be with you, David. Thanks for having me. Well, I, where do we start? Uh, wh- why don't uh, I we know st- where to start. All right. Well, you know what? Darn it. Start us off, Eric. Go ahead. Mitch McConnell is a skunk. Huh. I want to tell you, um, there's something heartbreaking sometimes about seeing the truth. Um, for years, many of us suspected that many uh, in the Republican Party were not really patriots, didn't have a lot of courage. But when you see it, uh, it's unpleasant. Um, it is Mitch McConnell's job to stand up for the Constitution. And, and any whiff of election fraud ought to have him and everyone else who is able physically to stand on a chair and scream to do that. You would expect that uh, the leadership in the Republican Party would do that. Uh, I would actually be naive enough to to expect that every Democrat would do that. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about America, which was here long before Donald Trump was born and will be here long after he passes. This is about we, the people. And the idea that someone like McConnell, with all the evidence that we have seen, and even if you don't, you know, if you want to say, well, it's not evidence in court or the Supreme Court has done this or that, th- that is irrelevant. Most Americans have seen enough to be convinced that something is fishy, that something fishy is going on, that something wrong and evil, and not just un-American, but anti-American, as anti-American as the Communist Party of China. Something fundamentally anti-American has happened in our sacred election. Every American should be up in arms over this. The idea that many aren't and the idea that folks like Mitch McConnell aren't is horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying. And I just am amazed. I I mean, I'm amazed and not amazed. But this is where every patriot needs to understand we, we, we simply cannot allow this in America. If we cannot be utterly assured that this... All 
All right, uh, Eric Metaxas uh, going to the E.T. alien uh, voice. Uh, he, I don't think he does impressions, but uh, right in the middle there, uh, we, we just lost his connection. We hope to have him uh, back soon. Uh, so I'm going to ad-lib a little bit as we try to get him back on the show. And one of the things I want to talk to him about is a, is a tweet by Eric Erickson, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And Eric Erickson said this. Remember, this is a conservative Christian uh, who you know over at... Um, uh, I was going to say Red State. It's no longer Red State. It's, um, I forgot where exactly he's with now. But uh, he said this. Today, Joe Biden will be elected president of the United States. God's will be done. And those words are uh, a trigger. Uh, those words are a trigger for a lot of Christians in this country who uh, truly believe that Donald Trump was put in office for such a time as this. And then, of course, you have Joe Biden seemingly like he's going to uh, be the president of the United States. So then the question becomes, well, so is it God's will that Joe Biden is president of the United States? And let me just be clear before we get Eric back on, and hopefully we do. But if we don't, <laughs> let me take the reins if you don't mind. I mean, it is the water cooler with David Rudy. Uh, look, here's the bottom line. Yes, of course it's God's will if Joe Biden becomes president. And yes, it's God's will if Donald, when Donald Trump became president. And guess what, folks? When Barack Obama was president, God's will was done there, too. Because remember, uh, not to go into theology and bring you all into church and the Bible up in here, as they say, or do they even say that? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that God's will is God's will. Uh, and my guess is that when, if and when we get Eric Metaxas back on, which I believe we have him on now. Eric, are you there? Are you back with us? I'm, I'm here. My, my apologies. Uh, in these wacky COVID times, sometimes the Internet connection doesn't work. I'd rather be with you there in person. I was just ranting and raving yeah. about what I believe is important to the United States of, of America. I yeah. know that you were talking about God's will, and I'd love to talk about that as well. Well, tell me, that's what was my question to you, because Eric Erickson had a tweet. I, I mentioned it while you were uh, away for a boat moment. There it is. Eric Erickson said, today Joe Biden will be elected president of the United States. God's will be done. What, what's your take on, on what Christian sh how Christians should process all of this? Well, look, I don't know Eric Erickson. I'll just put it this way. This is actually very simple. The Lord has allowed tremendous evil to be perpetrated on this planet over the millennia. So the idea that we always get our way or that God's will be done, uh, it's, it's obviously complicated. Uh, Hitler would not have risen to power and the Soviet Union would have not lasted for seven decades if we were living in heaven or in a utopia. Clearly, God allows evil, but we have to know what our job is in the midst of it. Our job is to pray. And our job is to stand up for what is right, no matter what it will cost us. And right now, there is enough evidence of voter fraud around the country that anyone who says, well, there's, where's the evidence? I say to them, either you're not looking or paying attention or you don't care. But most people uh, who are familiar with the situation say, yeah. this looks extremely troubling. We're not just saying this because we don't like the way the election went. You cannot in the United States of America uh, allow something like this to proceed. So when we talk about God's will, we know God's will is that justice be done. It doesn't mean that it's always be done, but it, that it, it will always be done. But it, it is our job yeah. uh, as Americans and certainly as Christians to pray that God's will be done. We have had the inestimable blessing of a free country for 245 years. We have had 
the ability to understand that when we vote, it's sacred. We've worked through the processes where uh, people are not disenfranchised from voting. We've gotten to this amazing moment. So to have people with tremendous cynicism um, mess around with that, whether it's uh, you know, in some of these Democrat-led cities, which have been corrupt for decades, right. we right. know this. Or if it's something more global with Dominion, uh, w- with regard to, um, you know, the possibility of foreign yeah. uh, interference. Everybody ought to be obsessed with getting to the bottom of it. That for sure, sure is God's will. And I don't think it's God's will that Joe Biden be seated until we know for sure yeah. what happened. And we certainly do not. Eric Metaxas, got to have you on. Hope you'll come back next week. We have a lot more to talk about running up against the hard break. I really appreciate it, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Eric Metaxas, always with something interesting, provocative, truthful to say. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Our next guest, uh, we love him. Uh, what, What can I say? That's on record. I mean, I'm on television. The camera's on. Madison, is the camera on? The camera is fully on, so that is on the record. Paul Farhi uh, with the Washington Post, the media reporter there, uh, joining us uh, yet again, uh, coming back. Uh, and so, Paul, always great to have you on the show, sir. Thank you, David. Always good to be with you. I can take the abuse, by the way. <laughs> well, clearly you can. You keep coming back. And well, you dish it out pretty well, Paul, by the way, I just want to say. Uh, let, let me just be very clear. Hey, uh, sure. all right. So Kaylee McEnany had this uh, press conference today. Uh, I'm not sure how much you saw of it, but uh, she took she took issue with what, how the media is, is covering a few different things. Uh, the Eric Swalwell thing was interesting. She says that the New York Times and many of these other uh, CNN, they're not doing anything on Eric Swalwell. Uh, at all. And, and that's a pretty big deal, the whole Chinese spy situation. Of, uh, anyhow, I don't want to get into all of that. But it does kind of go to a point about what uh, some of the bias the media may have in there, or not may, do, does have in what they choose not to cover as well. Would you not agree with that? I don't know about bias. I certainly cannot explain why this was not covered uh, more substantially than it was. I thought the original Axios report was quite good and quite detailed. Uh, What you conclude from that report may not be the same as what Kaylee McEnany concludes from that report. But nevertheless, I thought it was a pretty good story, pretty solid, based on very good information. And it should have been covered. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, also on the vaccine, can we kind of go back and dial back history for a second? Uh, the, the media ripped Trump when he said a vaccine would be ready by the end of the year. And, and I mean, I can I have all the comments. I've got all the sound on tape. Uh, he was absolutely ripped, saying he was laughed off the basically the face of the earth. Uh, and here we are. It's the end of the year. He was right. Uh, play play those tapes, David, and see who ripped oh. him. Maybe, hold on, what maybe some commentators did. I don't think the media writ large did. Uh, Trump also said that the vaccine would be ready before the election, which sounded to all of us like a kind of election uh, carrot on a stick. It didn't happen either. So I'm not sure Trump was the most trustworthy 
source on the development of the vaccine. As it turned out, thankfully, gratefully, it, the vaccine was developed, was approved, and is now available on a limited basis. So we are fortunate. Um, uh, but he said several things about the vaccine, and uh, uh, having it ready at the end of the year was only one of them. Uh, MSNBC and many others, but I know for sure MSNBC has said that time and time again about basically there's no way it's going to be ready. It would take a miracle. I don't know what Trump's talking about. And then, then it happened. So, I mean, he does get credit for this, does he not? I mean, if, you're good, if people are going to uh, say he's got blood on his hands for, uh, for coronavirus, you got to give him credit on the vaccine. Why do you have to give him credit on the vaccine? Apples uh, to he, apples. Well, he super he is the president, and this was developed by private industry without but, but, taking. Money. But Operation oh. Warp Speed. I mean, in other words, even even the media but, media reports say they give him credit for Operation Warp Speed. Yes, except that Operation Warp Speed was not a factor in the development of the vaccine by Pfizer and BioNTech. They did it outside Operation Warp Speed. But, but Paul, real quick, if, if for some reason this vaccine did not happen and it was it was languishing into the Biden administration, you know there would be media reports saying Trump should have done more. You know that's the case, Paul. Well, certainly, uh, because the president always receives that kind of criticism. So he should, get the, he should get the praise, too, should he not? Take credit for something that he really didn't have anything to do with is also false, David. But just real quick, I mean, if you're going to give the guy, not you, but if, if the media is going to give him the criticism, should they not also give him some praise? I mean, the media is just, the media just won't do it. They just don't do it, Paul. What, what exactly should we give him credit for, specifically in terms of the Pfizer and BioNTech uh, vaccine? That, or, that, that, I mean, once again, I'm, I'm not here to make the case for the administration, but I'm saying that the thinking would be is that you put in place from an Operation Warp Speed standpoint and from the government resources, since it is the government vaccine done with fi in conjunction with Pfizer, that there was a working uh, partnership there, for sure. No. Pfizer and BioNTech developed it outside Operation Warp Speed. They did it with their own private money. That BioNTech developed it, Pfizer funded it, and that's how it came to the market. Uh, I think the only thing the government had to do with it was FDA approval and review of it, which is significant and important. But again, this is private industry, private R&D, private science involved, not the government and not Operation Warp Speed. You can talk about the Moderna vaccine, which is coming to approval very shortly, that one was developed under Operation Warp Speed. Um, the government actually underbought the doses from Pfizer. It bought 100 million. It had the option on 200 million more. It passed. Um, you know, I hope there will be enough vaccine for everyone and it will be getting there soon enough. But the HHS underbought and it should have uh, created a bigger order for the Pfizer vaccine. There, there's a school of thought as to why they underbought, but we can get into that another time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I wanted to kind of move on to a few other subjects, but I got to say, it's, it's just fascinating to me. And, and Paul, you know, I, I like you, you know that. Uh, but but just the media just, it's like they'll, they'll do anything not to give him any sort of credit. Let me ask you this. The, the presidency seems to be coming to an end, obviously. Uh, so does he get credit for anything? Anything at all? I mean, is there anything the media is going to give him credit for? David, first of all, I don't speak for the media. I know, I, I understand. Even, I understand. I, I will speak for myself and in part for the reporting that The Washington Post has done. Uh, we will give him credit where credit is due. 
But the fact of the matter is, what 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 is something that he's done? Has he done anything? Is, is, so so I mean, you've got to understand when when viewers hear stuff from he Washington has, Post and others, and it's ninety five percent negative, you're, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. Um, there are a lot of things he could have done uh, in terms of speaking up early about it. He told Bob Woodward that it was very infectious while publicly stating something the opposite. I'm not sure what he deserves credit for. Well, I'm not talking about the vaccine even. I'm just talking about anything. Do you have anything at all that, that he should get credit for at all? Should, can the media give him credit for one thing? Does he get credit for anything? Middle East peace a little bit? Anything? Uh, yeah, he certainly has gotten credit for the things that he has accomplished during his term. And you mentioned Middle East peace. Uh, certain aspects of the COVID were managed well. Many aspects were not managed well. Right. And I, history will treat him poorly on that subject. Paul Farhi, great to see you, sir. I was all up in a lather today. Uh, you know, I get in a lather. I get in a lather. We help ourselves, David, can we? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you, David. All right, Paul Farhi. We got to have him back. I mean, look, it gets, it helps me. I mean, I, it gets the, 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 what the juice is flowing. Maybe not the blood boiling. I know you, Madison just said the blood boiling. No, no, the juice is flowing. I don't have any blood boiling against Paul Farhi. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Time for the last sip. Uh, We have a lot of hard-hitting news on this program. I mean, look, let's be honest. We got some newsmakers. You know we do. We get newsmakers left and right. Uh, But we also cover uh, a whole plethora of news. Uh, And and can I start with this? Uh, In New York City... Um, so they want to defund the police all around the country. And in New York, they're making all these cuts. You can't defund the police, number one. But number two, if you have pigs running around New York, there it is. There's a pig wanted in New York. I'm not playing around. This is serious stuff. This is, might be the most serious story we do all day. There's a pig in New York. You can't defund the police when there's a pig on the loose in New York. Take a look. Unbelievable. There's a loose pig that was captured, actually captured in a New York City park. It was actually in Queens. However, look at this. Second pig still on the loose. That's right. Animal rescuers in New York said apparently there was an abandoned piglet. Uh, that, per- that person, did I just call a pig a person? I did. Uh, that pig was rescued. But now that second young pig is still out there somewhere, uh, and we need to find that pig. And I'm doing an all call right now to all water cooler fans uh, of the show. Uh, Listen, uh, let me just give you my email, dbrody at justthenews.com, dbrody at justthenews.com. If you've seen this pig in New York, please call me or email me because I gave you the email. I didn't give you my phone number. Uh, anyhow, uh, so the bottom line is this pig got lost in New York. They're looking for a second pig. And, and I'm just looking at the story now, just hot off the presses here. Uh, police apparently cornered the first pig, but then they, were, they realized there was another pig out there. And apparently these pigs were abandoned by some person. Uh, the same person, they believe. Uh, by the way, the pig that was uh, found, uh, his or her name it was, is Babe. Would that be a, Madison, is that a he or a she pig, a babe? Would that be a she? 
Uh, all right, I'm going with she on Babe. Anyhow, the bottom line is we need to find this wanted pig. D Brody at JustTheNews.com if you have any tips. That's the pig tip hotline. And you never know uh, where you're going to find pigs. They could be in the... Get, get a shoe. Get off the... You know, these pigs are always... Get, uh, why is there always like one small... Uh, uh, anyhow, uh, the pigs could be anywhere, clearly even on the set of the water cooler, which honestly, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that may be some sort of a code violation uh, for sure. Uh, the, the health department... Madison, does the health department watch this show? Do you know... Madison, Madison's saying she doesn't know everything, uh, but uh, I don't think they do, which is a good thing because those pigs, that's nasty. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. That's my ringtone. You can imagine how that goes over well at the house with the wife. <laughs> hey, I got a call. It's my show. And then they're like, she's like, please, really? You're that narcissistic? Hey, uh, joining me now, uh, Sophie Mann. Sophie News. Hi, David. Hey, hello. How are you, Sophie? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing well. Anthony Fauci. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who? <laughs> Anthony Fauci. Oh, Fauci? Yes. Okay. Oh, oh, I've heard of him. Yes, yes. Uh, apparently so is Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, masks forever. For all time. No, come on, not really. Yes? Not Well, I mean, according to him today. What's he saying? Today, so, Anthony Fauci is telling us that we're going to have to be wearing masks and social distancing until next winter. So, <laughs> the reason that this should not be the end-all be-all is because Anthony Fauci hasn't really said one thing this entire pandemic that he has exactly. held fast to. I mean, which isn't to discredit his medical expertise or the utility of his position or the comfort that he has provided to some number of Americans throughout this pandemic. Mm-hmm. But it is sort of a give and take when he sort of sets these broad brush parameters about the way Americans will now live. He is a medical expert. He is an epidemiologist. He runs a very impressive branch of the NIH. But he really has at no point been in charge of the way that policy around the, the way Americans actually live has looked like during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that we've been hearing from a number of experts that as the vaccine is rolled out, you know, Pfizer shipped earlier this week, Moderna just got the go-ahead today. Um, This could all very well be taken care of in a number of months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my guess is that masks will linger around. I mean, people really like wearing them, not always for reasons that correspond 100% to their efficacy as a health matter. Mm -hmm. But... um, but I think by next winter, we'll certainly have heard some other medical takes. Yeah, but there's a couple of things. Number one, why are you why are you telling me from a year from now? Can, can we do this quarterly? I mean, can, yeah. can we kind of like get through this? Like, yes. and let me know where we are in March. I think you that's know? fair. You know? I mean, especially because last March, Dr. Fauci said we're going to have a vaccine in one year. 
Right. Which is not an unreasonable timeline. Like, by way of historical precedent, that is a reasonable amount of time that he thought it would take to get us a vaccine. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten one a lot quicker than that. Distribution is going to go out like we've never seen it before, thanks to the Trump administration and Operation Warp Speed. And, you know, politicians' general sense that they want this to be over as much as anybody else does. Sure. Um, so I think that we just have to stop predicting in broad measures, even if you are Anthony Fauci, the way that Americans will be conducting their day-to-day -day lives one year from now. Right. Biden loves Fauci, though. That's true. I'm just saying. All right. Get ready for the dark next winter as well. Uh, all right. Uh, good to see you, Sophie. Good to see you. I wasn't trying to blow you off. I mean, no, I, not we, at all. We got to end the show. We got to wrap. <laughs> we got to wrap. <laughs> I mean, look, when you got to wrap, you got to wrap. Uh, Congressman uh, Brian Babbitt on the show tomorrow. Jordan Seculo as well to talk uh, election fraud. Have a great evening.